You're listening to the Kingdom Culture Church podcast. To connect with us, hop on social media or go to kingdomculturechurch.com.au. But before you get out of here, remind me, what's the chorus to the new song? Come on. Yeah, yeah, sing it. What do you mean? Jake, where's Jacob? Okay, just one at a time. Let's get the worship pastor to do it. Okay, great, great. I just wanted to hear it again. Yeah, it wasn't like a huge, I didn't have a whole lot going on. I said to the morning crowd, I said, it's kind of like if like Keith Urban, Justin Bieber, and like the Holy Spirit wrote a song together. Because Jacob makes it quite poppy, you know, but like you could grunge it, man. You could, hey, I sit on the shepherd, and I come home, I come home. And like hay bales on the stage. Be like a country revival. Um, no, we don't want that. No one wants that. Come on, so good. Are you well tonight? Hey, we, amazing. We had such a, a great time this morning. Uh, who was here this morning? Just quickly, give me a look. Okay, about 30% of the room. So 70% of you, you're about to have a crazy time. Um, but it was amazing. Um, our anointing all services, we're going to be doing this every year uh, after Vision Sunday, really as a point of contact uh, to lock in what just happened. Uh, but we are not unaware, let me just quickly get my frankincense out, um, we are, we're not unaware that putting a dot of oil on someone's head is, is odd, it's, it's odd, uh, it is, it's odd, uh, a lot of Christian things are quite odd, I think some of those pastors try and make it, it's like, it's not odd, nothing we do is odd, what about speaking in tongues, this is normal, you know, try and pull off speaking in tongues without looking weird, I'll try it, I'll try and casually speak in tongues. Immediately, people are like, what's going on? You know? <laughs> Baptism without context is weird Christian dun- dunking. It's like, what are they doing to that poor lady? You know? like, so what we want to do in the next 20 or so minutes is, is we want to provide a context for why put oil on people's heads, what is anointing oil, why would we do that? And then we want to do that. So it's going to be great. I'm excited. I, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm feeling good, man. I feel a little bit, a little bit loose. We, we had morning service, and then we had a board meeting for a couple of hours, and woo! <laughs> so, hey, I want to call my message point of contact. Point of contact. That There's times in our Christian walk, obviously we know God walks with us. We know that, that, that he's with us every day in our prayer times, but there's moments in our Christian experience, I believe, where, where God just kind of goes and just puts his finger on us, and something happens, and, and whether that's someone praying for you, whether that's you get a word of knowledge, whether that's uh, something leaps out, if you ever had something just leap out of the Bible at you, you know, I know this morning I kind of lent a bit on like the sort of cliche, not cliche, but the very obvious laying on of hands, which is amazing, I think that's so important, but there's many points of context, I wanted to tell you about a couple of mine in, in my life, and I've, I've changed it from this morning, because I, I knew that we have leaders that are doing two, two services, but I, want to, I do want to repeat that quote I said that this morning where if you weren't here, I was talking a bit about how a lot of prophets and a lot of people of faith and Christian leaders, they made very intense faith declarations in January 2020. Yeah. It's going to be your best year yet, da, 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 and all this stuff. And then March happened, and it was really disappointing to see a lot of Christians be like, you know, <laughs> like, you're wrong. What is, you know, people like poor pastors or not even just pastors, Christian leaders, businessmen, entrepreneurs being like, this is going to be our best year yet. God's going to come through. But, but I want to tell you something. Things going bad don't make faith statements wrong. They make them faith statements. 
So it's great if you prophesy something in faith and then the year's great. But actually, I think our faith is at its strongest in the middle of the boat as the storm's going everywhere and you're like, Jesus, wake up. Help. I actually believe that, that many men and women of faith, they were completely right in what they said. Now, we might not have, we might have thought it would look different. We might have thought that growth meant our churches would expand and, and, and swell, and, but maybe he just meant our character, our integrity, our devotion, our prayer life. And so I really believe that these faith declarations are really important as we go into 2021. But I want to tell you a bit about some point of contacts I've had in my life, but you'll have one. I'm, I thought of a great one this afternoon, Jess. I thought of that time Joel Shaw preached that message, Firefoxes. Do you remember that? Firefoxes. And he talked about, you remember the story in Samson? Also, Samson, whoa, just let's do a preaching series on that. Um, but he, he get all these, gathered all these foxes up. How? Weird. Hundreds of them. How do you gather up hundreds of foxes? Like, I'm just imagining this super buff guy, like Craig Taylor-Johns with, like, massively long hair, just, like, running around trying to catch foxes. And then he gets bushels of them and lights their tails on fire, and RSPCA was furious, and then they ran out into the fields and destroyed the crops. Now, he preached a message on that, preached about how we need to come together and we need to... And he came up to me, and, and Joel's pretty intense, and Joel, if you see this, it's a good intense, which you know. And he said, do you want to be a firefox for Jesus? And I was kind of in that teen stage where sentences like that weren't the coolest thing ever. You know, like, um, they're still not. They're effective, but they're not cool. You know, the, do you want to be a firefox? It's like, I, I guess. <laughs> and, and, and he laid hands on me, and Tom Gustafson was behind me. And no, it was bad, because Tom got hit so intensely that he, he flew back and laughed for three hours. Now, praise the Lord, I didn't get that. I just got whacked, and then I didn't get a catcher, and it hurt a little bit. But I was on the floor, and I just remember God just saying to me, like, do you? And I was like, what? And it's like, you know, you're on the floor, and you're in the third heaven, but God's speaking to you, and, you know, you like your belly's out a little bit. You're like, should I pull that down? But if I pull it down, do, am I in the flesh? You know, I just want to be authentic. And so, it's come on, we've all been there. We've all been there. We've all been there. I helped Dave Jackson out this morning. I ran past and just helped him out. Not that he's got anything to cover. I'm a different situation. <laughs> Shut up. So, and I remember he said, like, do, like, do you want this? And I was like, I don't, I don't know, which, by the way, is a fine thing to say to the Lord. It's okay to say that. But I remember he just kept asking me. I was on the floor for about 40 minutes, and, and, and he just kept asking me, like, do you want this? Do you want this? Do you want this? And I remember at the very end, I sort of wanted to go to bed, but that's not why I said yes. I felt like, Yeah. But there was this weight of, it's going to cost you, bro. It's going to be really uncomfortable. And that's why it took me so long. Because I'm like an extroverted too, man. Usually I'd be like, let's do it. What? <laughs> Humble But I wasn't because there was weight. Another time I had a point of contacts was uh, in 2016. I was reading the story of the Shunammite woman. If, if you guys are part of this church, you'll know that, you know, it's one of my favorite stories. I just love it. But I've never actually told you why. Pastor Rob's talked to you about Isaiah and the thing sing, barren woman sing, and why that means. I want to tell you why I love the story of the Shunammite woman. Because one of the great struggles of my life has been performance. One of the great struggles of my life, and I'm getting emotional, is, oh, I need to please the people. I need, I need my mum and dad to approve of me. I need humanity en masse to approve of me. And let me know about it. Shut up. And so... <laughs> So, yeah, I'm like bearing my soul. You're all, oh, Leonardo DiCaprio. Oh, you know. And, and so one of my great journeys has been performance, but part of performance is you, can, you can't be real. And, and so part of performance is you've always got to be killing it and you can't go through things. 
And so I'm not like this now. If you're, I don't know, new to this church or even in this church, you'd be like, Fred's pretty open and real. I wasn't always. I was reading this story, and it got to the bit where the Shunammite woman grabbed the ankles of Elisha and said, why did you promise me? And I felt the glory of God come into that house at Mango Hill when I was sitting at my kitchen table. And he said, Fred, you can grab my ankles. And I did, I didn't even get it fully, but I got it. And he was like, hey, kiddo, like, I really love you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, you can, like, grab my ankles. You can scream at my feet. You can let me in on what's going on because your performance isn't fooling really anyone, but it's definitely not fooling me. There's a point of contact. There's a point of contact. All of us have had points of contact. That's what today is. That's what tonight is. It's a, if you believe it, it's a point of contact. Because if you don't believe it, it'll just be Pastor Heather smearing some mirror on your head. Mer. Frankie says, mirror, mirror. <laughs> Shut up. I'm a wise man. And I have my frankincense. But actually, your ability to receive tonight isn't based on how much Jesse Rose is shundy mundying as she anoints you. It's actually based on, it's not based on, you know, Jacob, while we're anointing you, being like, then I'll come home. It's actually based on you being like, hey, God, in this moment, I want a point of contact. I want something to shift. The thing, the disease I've had for three years, I've gone to the doctors, I've come to old school, I want it to shift. My mental health issue, I want it to shift. My kid that's away from God, I want that situation to shift. And so tonight could be a point of contact for us, amen? It says in Timothy 4, don't neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Do not neglect the gift that is in you. It was given to you through prophecy with the laying on of hands by the council of elders. Another translation says, stir up the gifts within you with the laying on of hands. I find it quite odd that laying on of hands in some church circles is considered like a little bit like, ooh, well, they're out there, is it? Like Paul was just, Paul was a maniac. He just laid hands on everyone. Jesus was like having conversations with demons and casting them into pigs. Like, I feel like if we're just laying hands on people believing for the gifts to be stirred up, that's not really intense. It's just quite like, Lord, just thank you for the spirit of prophecy. I don't know about that. <laughs> well, Karen, it's, it's there. So you might say, but Fred, why oil? Well, we're going to talk a bit about the literal oil because Pastor Rob was very strong on this, is that it's not just symbolic. Just like baptism. We've all seen baptism services. We've all probably been baptized. If you haven't, talk to Pastor Kimmy. But... There's something powerful about a baptism service. There was something powerful about the first baptism service. The heavens opened. So it's more than symbolic. It's a spiritual moment. And as it is with oil, let's keep moving because we're on a, we're on a timer here. But there's four groups of people in the Word that we see anointed. We don't have time for every reference uh, point, but we're going we're gonna to go through it. So the first one is kings uh, and future kings, people that were anointed to lead. The second group were prophets, anointed to proclaim. Third group were priests, anointed to ministry, and the fourth group were the sick, and they were anointed for their healing. So let's really whiz through that. So, you know, when I was studying this, I'm like, okay, well, let's really look at how we can. I'm really passionate about, we all are, about applying the word to our Monday. You know, like, you know, like, yeah, we don't want to just preach to people Sunday, we want to preach to their Monday. How is this applicable to an everyday person who's not in ministry and who is raising six kids? Six kids, wow. He's raising six kids and is working in an office. We want to make sure that the gospel is relevant on a Monday. So, Kings and future kings. You might go, I'm not a king. Well, you're wrong. Because it says that you're a royal priesthood. You're a holy nation. 
So actually, under uh, the New Testament, under the after post-Christ, you are actually considered royalty, and in, you have an inheritance. Ephesians talks about it very extensively. You have an inheritance in Christ. So you are actually partakers. Very, very cool. Secondly, prophets anointed to proclaim. Now, am I saying that everyone is called to, be, to have the office of a prophet? New. Absolutely not. Praise the Lord. The people that are called to an office of a prophet, they're called to that. But what this is talking about is proclaiming. So everyone can proclaim because everyone can talk about Christ and Him crucified. So if you're talking about the cross, if you're talking about Jesus, you are proclaiming. You are actually exercising prophetic. How is that prophetic, Fred? Because you are speaking life and truth into the environment. So we are all called to proclaim. Number three, priests anointed to ministry. Now, this is probably one of the ones that is a little bit more specific. So it is talking about, in the word and the examples, people called to serve in the temple or the house of God. However, I had to think. I had to think. Our first ministry is to our family. So we're all priests to our family. I would argue, to go deeper, that we're all priests in our workplace. We are all priests, whether we are working in law, in medicine, whether we're studying, whether we have clients, whether we are doing the 101 jobs that are in this place, you're a priest. I kind of think of it like when, you know, you know how sport teams have chaplains? Which, side note, best job. Like, Chelsea Football Club, I'm here. Um, (laughs) But you are kind of the chaplain at your office. They might not know, but you've been ordained. You've been anointed. So we're all priests. All right. The sick, anointed for healing. That one's pretty self-explanatory. We see that oil, especially in, the, in, in ancient times, it wasn't just symbolic at all. It literally had healing properties. They would put it on wounds and they would use it in balms. We see in the story of the Good Samaritan um, that he you know, put, put oil on the wounds. So this is why, why we have oil. And can I just say, you know, this service is more young adults usually. Um, it's really important that we don't walk away or turn a blind eye to things we don't really understand. I am aware that I am privileged to have been raised by closet Pentecostals, okay? So, dad with his weird guitar, I don't know why I'm saying closet, like they were just Pentecostal, very uncloseted actually, but, but I would wake up, not exaggerating, to Joyce Meyer on the TV very often, and then after Joyce had told everyone off for not taking their shopping trolleys back, she, she would, yeah, okay, the three Christian kids, like, yeah, 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 I remember that sermon. After that, dad would get out his guitar, and they would sing, these are the days of Elijah, and shout to the Lord, and do you guys remember that one? Like a rose, trampled on the ground, you took the fall, and thought of me, above all, and then dad would do this thing with his thumb, it was awesome. And, and, and then, you know, I would go to, like, I would want to not go to school because I had, like, you know, probably something small, like a viral infection. And I'd be like, Mum, I can't go to school. And she wouldn't say a thing. She'd grab my hand. She'd be like, so, You know, I said this morning, she'd sound like one of those announcers at the tennis. Who I love. You know, like, And afterwards, what was so annoying was I often felt better. I was like, no! But, but we're one generation away from like tongues being taboo, praying for people being taboo. What a, I'm not an authority on the Christian church, I understand that, but I think we need to do what the book says. 
Yeah. I, I think we need to pray for people. I think we need to anoint people. I think we need to prophesy over people. And, and anyway, that's very exciting. Luke 4.18 says this, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me. This is Jesus quoting what Dan was, well, Jesus wasn't quoting Dan, he was quoting Isaiah, but Dan said it before. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim the good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight for the blind, and to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. This is Jesus talking. And Jesus says, he has anointed me. So even Jesus got anointed. And we've got some Christians walking around like, I don't know if I need to be anointed. But Jesus was. And he's not, he didn't say, I was baptized, even though he was. He said, I was anointed. There's a difference. There's an infilling. Uh, this gets me pumped, man. I'm, I'm excited. Second point, the anointing leads to proclaiming. The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he's anointed me, step one. To proclaim, step two. We've got a lot of people proclaiming without any anointing. And the great thing about God is the word of God doesn't return unto him void. So the gospel has power regardless. But it's much more effective when it's mixed with oil. 2 Corinthians 1.20 says this, For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. And so through him the amen is spoken to us by the glory of God. Now it is God who makes us both and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our heart as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. I want to say that again. Set his seal of ownership on us and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. I don't think you're getting it. God went, you're it. God said, hey, you are the reinforcements of heaven. No one else is coming. When Jesus comes again, it's the end of the game. So right now, Christ in you and me is the hope of glory, which is exciting, but it's also terrifying. It's exciting because God went, hey, I trust you. I've empowered you. I love you. But it's terrifying because he went, you're the hope of glory. Process that. You are the hope of Brisbane. Yes, it's exciting and we can amen it. But when I think that I'm the hope of Brisbane, I'm like, "Ah." Ah." I like lose my Christianity when I'm hungry, tired, or there's bad traffic. How am I the hope of glory? But something has to bubble up on the inside of us, church, where we're like, hey, I'm the hope of glory. I'm going to change Brisbane. God is using me. And what he put in me was a guarantee for Brisbane. It's crazy and terrifying and brilliant all at once. We are anointed to proclaim. We then amen what's been proclaimed. And amen is not a full stop. It's a starting point. If I could get a keyboardist to come and join me, that would be sensational. What, what am I saying what, by that point? What I'm saying by that point is that when we see a breakthrough, when we proclaim, when we see a healing, that is not the end. It's not the end. You know, I have, if I can be so bold, I have uh, been in a fair few green rooms and I've seen ministers of the gospel who, who mean well, but they think that when they've laid the hand or they've given the word or they've done the dynamic message, that's it. Friend, that's step one. That's the, that's the easy part. I'm not saying there's not skill involved in speaking or playing an instrument, or of course. But what I'm saying is, we can get up and be like, hey, you're be, you're be, no. but, but are we going to get coffee with them next week? Are we going to journey with them? Jesus didn't grab like a bunch of young guys and be like, great, you're anointed and filled. You know, touch and move. All right, see you guys. Have fun in Capernaum. No, he was like, hey, let's go on a walk for three years and I'll make you fishers of men. Now, of course, we understand that Rob Porter cannot meet up with 300 and something people. 
every week. We know that. That's not what I'm saying. But what I'm saying is, let's be a church that when we see the amen happen, or what happened in their life, we're right there to help them through. The questions and the wondering and the fear and the, where do I do, what do I do next? Let's be a church that disciples. And I'm not saying we, we don't have it all figured out. We don't. But a lot of churches are so good at discipleship, way better than us. But they don't create room for the end suddenly moments of God. But can I flip it? There's some churches that are killer at the end suddenlies of God. And they become a giant biblical turning door. Because people come in and get an end suddenly, but they don't get a community or a family, and so they just go back out again. And we haven't got it figured out. But we are attaining and working towards being a place that is has an end suddenly moment and then a family for years to come. And so let's have points of contact that are then followed up by a life of contact. Three points about why God anoints us and bands, you could probably just come join me as well. I feel that utter nonsense is going to transpire. And what I mean by nonsense is I believe the power of God is going to fall in this place. There's some of you that came expecting just a church service, but he's got so much more for you. There's some of you that came and like, yeah, this is be cool, whatever, I'm just coming to church. And God's going to move in power in your life. And it's going to be awesome. And it might be scary. And there's going to be frankincense everywhere. Three reminders of why God anoints us. Number one, I am consecrated. I am consecrated. Old school word. It means set apart. It's actually very similar to the original language of the word holiness. Friend, can I encourage you? I love the way Erwin McManus says it. If you've got sin in your life, a dirty, rotten sinner. You've just fallen below the excellence you're called to. And so we want to encourage you in this place. Let's be a church that's consecrated. Holiness matters. Not looking at women in a certain way matters. Getting off the websites matters. Tithing matters. Treating each other with kindness matters. Standing for the Word of God matters. It's true. doesn't mean it's always easy. I'm not perfect at all. But sometimes the easy thing, and Pastor Caleb talked about this recently, is to walk around and go, oh, I'm a dirty sinner. No, no, friend, that's the easy way out. And it's not the truth. The truth is, you're a son, you're a daughter of God, and He is going to give you grace. What is that grace? It's an empowerment. It's not a license to sin. It's empowerment to live above. And it might take some time, and that's all right. But friend, you are not dirty. You are not devalued. You are not a horrible person. Actually, you're a masterpiece. You've been painted by God and you have a lot of worth and value. And that's where our striving for holiness comes from. That's where our, our chase comes from. Oh man, I'm actually awesome. Someone say, I'm awesome. Someone say it like you mean it. It's pretty good. Number one, you're consecrated. Number two, I just spat on my iPad. It's anointed as well. Number two, I am commissioned. We say this all the time. You, we are not a church where we're like, hey, 95% of people, come check out 5% of people's gifts. That's lame. Now, I said this this morning, there's balance. Of course, Pastor Rob is going to preach more than anyone else. He's a senior pastor. Of course, I'm not going to go, Kurt Jones, can you do the next five weeks and can you do a biblical exegete on Leviticus? That would be dumb. Although, Kurt, if you're up for it, have a study, it'll be good. But we are a house where we want to get to know you, get you in community, and then say, hey, what's on your life? Let's see if we can make a door for that. Let's see if we can make room for that. 
And there might be a journey of stacking a few chairs and sweeping a few things and Pastor Heather will get you on something awesome. But we're going somewhere. And it's not the gifts of the few. It's the community of the many that'll get us to where we need to go. You've been commissioned. And maybe if you don't feel that, maybe if you feel unseen, maybe if you feel unheard, maybe if you don't even know what the heck your calling is, well, maybe tonight as you have that point of contact, go, God, I don't really care about falling over or crying or all that stuff. When I get prayed for, can you tell me what you want me to do? Can you tell me what my calling is, what my giftings are? Number three, as we finish, I am hitting the microphone. I am courageous. Hey, the anointing makes you bold as a lion. The anointing makes you do things you wouldn't usually do. The anointing makes you cry at weird times. The anointing commissions you and you're like, I can do it. Your anointing you makes you leave your 100K a year job to start studying chaplaincy. The anointing makes you lean into things. The anointing makes you go, you know what? Not my will, His will be done. The anointing was what in the Garden of Gethsemane made Jesus go, hey, I'm sweating blood right now. But God, Dad, whatever you want, I'm gonna do that. That's not normal. It is not normal in the world to not chase finance and an epic house and a Tesla. If you have an epic house and a Tesla, we love you, let's hang out. But actually, we go, hey, God, I'm going to take up my cross, <laughs> old school, and follow you. Doesn't mean I have to turn into a weirdo that doesn't know how to dress appropriately or I have to like smell and not shout. It means I'm yielded to what you want in my life. I've been commissioned. Call me Fred. You never say call me by my name. That's amazing. Must have been preaching good. That's good, Fred. <laughs> hey, why don't we stand in this place?